Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, only on Red State Talk Radio. So it's finally Friday, and I feel like the boots are coming off. That things are now starting to move, kind of like a, a choo-choo that you throw coal into. And as it stopped, you know, you have to gain that steam before you can ramp off. And it's like at the chicka 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 stage, right? Things are starting to move. Um, and that's interesting. I wasn't expecting things to move until uh, this leap month finishes. Now, on that note, I just want to share something don't eat a chocolate cupcake in the morning. It'll ruin your whole day. That's exactly what I did. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it. It was really delicious for like the first minute. But yeah, not a balanced breakfast. I don't know what possessed me to have a chocolate ganache covered cupcake in the morning. Ruined my day. Um, <clears throat> I'm still tasting it five hours later. Anyway, Friday. It's Friday. So what are we seeing going around? See, it seems like stories are being buried. People aren't talking about things that are important to talk about. And all we're doing is talking about censorship. You know, this new thing where Twitter's going to tell you what's true and what's not, what you should watch and what you shouldn't, you know, and subliminally, again, hacking your own reality and guiding you into the pen where they want you to. Now, reality hackers are a big thing. Hacking. Hacking every aspect of your life. It's a team. It's coordinated. Deal with the IOs. Deal with this. Hack, 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 hack. That's a reality. That's something that actually happens on all dimensional planes that you can think of. Now, I was kind of looking at the news this morning while I was working, and I was like, what is going on here? Are people insane? Is the left insane? Because it seems like CNN and WAPO are just trying to force our hand to like impeach uh, Judge Jackson, which I do not argue with. I've been saying that. I said that when she threw out the Benghazi case. Good riddance. But it's like for some reason they think if they can parade someone around on their uh, news station saying, oh, you know, no, I was a juror and it was totally impartial. We looked at everything and we were done super quick. Oh, you were all on the same page. Just so happened to be. And so now they bring another clown. So first they brought Tamika. So he went on next and he was saying how she was the most impartial, making sure that everything, you know, was T's crossed, I's dotted, and that he had rights. (laughs) And you know who was talking? Another tool, a Google-connected tool that works as a contractor for the intelligence community that works as a, a, what is it, coder slash whatever for some company if you want to refinance your car loan. Such a front. Uh, You know, I mean... They're making it way too easy. And that's because they've been able to get away with things for a long, long, long time. Now, I thought I'd start with listening to some CNN because you got to listen to this guy before we pick him apart. And you know, CNN says so much in a day, so much rubbish in a day. None of us listen to what they say. But it's important that we pay attention to their words because their words 
tell us everything we need to know. Can do when his party refuses to check him. He just named a head of national intelligence who has not a day of experience in the field. Think about that. Not in intelligence, not in national security, not in the military. He also pardoned political friends who are clearly corrupt. And he may do the same for Roger Stone. But we have a juror from that case who's here to set the record straight. And let me set the record straight. Yeah? Because Fredo here is off on a whim. So first of all, if Rick had experience in intelligence, you wouldn't know it. Usually not on your resume. Those that are on their resume are are front facing first. Second, he's been in the dirtiest part of intelligence, which is Berlin. Super hub. And he's been mopping the floor with the Germans. Merkel sees him and breaks out into a rash. Because he's getting things done. But, you know, he has no, how do you know what experience he has? Oh, what's publicly available? Is that the question? Is that what you want? To be successful in overseeing 16 intelligence agencies, not 17. The 17th is the DNI, okay? Himself, his office is the 17th. I keep hearing him, oh, and he's going to oversee 17 intelligence agencies. Well, stop. It's 16 plus his office that oversees supposedly, right? If the structure that you know is the structure that exists. Because, you know, there's a visible and non-visible organizational chart that Fredo doesn't know about. Well, actually, Fredo might know about it because he used to hang on the seventh floor. But this is how they fill your mind with rubbish and talking points. Oh, and how, how dare he give pardons? Well, you know... He didn't pardon cartel members. He didn't pardon any terrorists. He, he actually pardoned a guy that probably has a lot to tell us because impeach 44 is becoming likelier and likelier. Well, not likelier. It's like hot potato. Now we're getting warm. It's almost there. So let's listen. Let's kick back and, you know, just purse your lips. Give yourself some physical signals before you throw your phone, shout at your radio, or, you know, pull out your headphones from your ear, wherever you're listening to me from. Uh, <laughs> because what you're about to hear is the biggest rubbish ever. What do you say? Let's get after it. The president who once agreed no one is above the law, now post-impeachment, says he is in control of all law. I'm actually... I guess the chief law enforcement officer of the country. He has to guess. And guess what? He guessed wrong. The attorney general is our country's chief law enforcement officer. But you didn't hear Bill Barr say anything about the president taking his control because Trump is right in this way. He controls this attorney general in a way that we have not often seen. From softness on stone to stonewalling on Mueller, to accusing his own agency of spying on Trump. Don't believe this noise about Barr's frustration. He is all about loyalty to one man, President Donald J. Trump. And you know what? Now it seems like Trump doesn't even need Barr because he just showed us he can just pardon obvious corruption. 11 pardons or commutations to a string of white-collar criminals and political allies, including the American poster boy for corruption, Rod Blagojevich. And guess what? Today, Blago kissed the ring. 
We uh, want to express our most profound and everlasting gratitude to President Trump. How do you properly thank someone who's given you back the freedom that was stolen from you? I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. Fealty, says Blago. The Trumpocrat, what is that? That's like a breed more rare than a jackalope. The Trumpocrat is the one on the left. The jackalope is the one on the right. Now, this governor, remember, was impeached 114 to 1. Talk about bipartisan approval. Then he was prosecuted for straight-up corruption. Why? He was trying to shake down a children's hospital charity. He literally wanted to sell Barack Obama's vacant Senate seat. If I get nothing back from Obama, then um, I'm going in another direction. You know what I'm saying? I've got this thing, and it's golden. And I'm just not giving it up for nothing. So Trump today argues via tweet that Blago, he, he didn't sell the Senate seat. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing happened because he was caught in the attempted bribe. Sound familiar? Of course it is. Trump doesn't see this as corruption by Blago and others. And if he does, that doesn't mean it's wrong. And yet he wants you to think he is the world's greatest anti-corruption crusader. And his next cause, Roger Stone. First, Trump said the sentence was too harsh. Guess what? The attorney general lessened it. Now he's hinting that the case was rigged. But you know what? We have someone here tonight to tell you no way. Juror number three, speaking out for the first time about the president's stone-cold attack on the case he helped decide. Mr. Cousins, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you guys deliberated for eight hours on the Roger Stone case. What was your sense in the room? I've read your op-ed, but for the audience, uh, was this a very hard decision for the jury on these seven counts? I would say in general it was not. There was one particular count and one particular element of one count that we spent probably half the time uh, debating. But uh, I would say for the most part, we came to a unanimous conclusion on each element and each charge pretty quickly and pretty easily. Now there is a new debate. The president says something funny here, funny uh, way this was prosecuted, funny the way uh, the jury was. One of the juries seems to be a Democrat uh, who was the foreperson. You seem to not like the president in your op-ed. Was this rigged? This was not rigged, no, sir. How uh, can you make people confident of that fact? The president says it was. There's no way that he should have been convicted for what he did. What do people need to know? Sure. Well, Chris, I think the most important thing that people need to know is that we followed a very rigorous process as a group, as a jury group. We looked at every element of every single charge, and we looked into the evidence. We tried to construct uh, reasonable alternative explanations, and only when all of that failed did each of us individually make the decision uh, to vote guilty and to decide that each element and each charge had in fact been proven. Did you pick up on the four persons' political um, proclivities in terms of how uh, they handled the position and the deliberations? No, absolutely not. Uh, the, the irony here is that Tamika Hart, who we elected as our four person on a secret ballot, uh, Tamika actually was perhaps the strongest advocate in the room for a rigorous process for the rights of the defendant and for making sure that we, that we took it seriously and looked at each charge. 
without her in the room, we would have returned the same verdict, and we would have returned it more quickly and without looking as deeply into the evidence. I'm firmly convinced of that. Hmm. It's an interesting counterpoint. In general. Counterpoint. Tamika's great. Let me tell you something about this guy. His name's Cousins, okay? Seth, Seth Cousins, okay? That's his name. So this guy has been, is a great coder. Uh, you know, he does a lot of app work um, and he's actually good. You know, he is like, um, I've had people that I know this is, this is the glory of having, you know, diverse networks. So talking about this in a chat room the other day, well, yesterday, <laughs> to be the other day, timelines and all, we were just chit, 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 and happens to be that, um, you know, uh, he, he actually does work for Russians, too. Uh, you know, freelance, of course. He, he works in Arlington, uh, supposedly for a company that, you know, oh, well, he does, he does work on their back end in regard to processing information. So, you know, if you wanted to, like, refinance your car loan or something like that, that's the front. Uh, but he is super linked with someone we all know very well, Yoni of Google. A uh, very big name in coding. Anyone that you know knows a um, uh, few people, uh, they know that uh, this is how um, th- 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 you know who's the mover and shaker. Like if you're into gaming, you know who the gamer is. This guy is known very well, mostly for um, information collection, data collection, uh, more so on the finance side. Um, And uh, yeah, he's a contractor. So this guy's completely impartial, of course, (laughs) of course, because he doesn't know anything about politics and doesn't know anything about hating President Trump. And, uh, you know, he's linked with all the right people in Silicon Valley and Russia. I just thought I'd mention that. Russia, 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 Russia. Pretty interesting how they pick these people. First, they pick a chick that was parading around pictures of her and Donna Brazil and Donna Brazil totally saw her on TV, kept her mouth shut. But, you know, being hired by Fox, you would be like, yo, CNN, she's not really impartial. Let me tell you. No, she didn't. She kept her mouth shut anyway. And someone who would bring it up would be blocked on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) This is the impartiality. And it makes me wonder, like, is CNN really trying to get, um, you know, just Jackson, like totally removed because everything they're doing is backfiring because the people have access to the same information they do. And you can't hide things like that. I don't care how many prosthetics he tries to insert. It doesn't work. Impartiality, speedy verdict on something so gray, something that hasn't been done. And then he's there thumping for Tamika. Are you kidding can um, we say operation planned? I wonder how much he got paid for it too. Does he have to, you know, state that? Does he put it on the record? I mean, I don't know. Can we check out the contracts that he might have? UOT Javas. Hmm. Uh, how does it make you feel that the president is basically questioning the motives of a jury of peers? Chris, I'm appalled, honestly. Um, 
I think it's appalling for the president to be attacking American citizens for fulfilling their duties to our republic. Um, and further, I think the, the actions of the president and of the attorney general uh, called, I don't know, they cast doubt on the, the bedrock of the equal administration of justice that is just so, so important to our country. Um, I think he damages our democracy by attacking this way, and I wish he would stop. What's your sense right now about having learned about Roger Stone and his relationship with the president? Do you have an uneasy feeling that this wasn't about justice, that he's going to get out of this? Well, my understanding is that the president has the ability to pardon anyone for anything at any time. Pretty much. Uh, So if, honestly, if that's the end game, I wish he would just go ahead and do it now. Um rather than continuing these baseless attacks. If he were to pardon Roger Stone, would that meet any definition of fairness to you? No, certainly not fair. Legal, perhaps, but not fair. Why? Um, well, Roger Stone, we, we convicted Roger Stone, uh, not of his politics. We didn't convict him of acting boorishly. We convicted him of obstructing a congressional inquiry, of lying in that inquiry, and of, of tampering with a witness who was also meant to, to participate in that inquiry. Um, the getting, getting at the truth of things is a very important thing, and that's one of Congress's fundamental oversight responsibilities, as I understand it. Um, tampering with that, that responsibility and, and Congress's ability to, to fulfill that responsibility, uh, it just feels like a dangerous road to me. You sat in that trial and you watched what happened uh, between the parties and the judge. This is now left on Judge Jackson's plate. What sentence to give? What was your sense of the judge? My sense of the judge, Chris, is that she was firm, fair, uh, ran, a, ran a very good process through the courtroom. Of course, we only interacted with her in the courtroom. Other than after the verdict was rendered, she came back to the jury room to thank us for our service. But through the whole process, from the beginning of jury selection, through the, the conduct of the trial and through the conclusion, um, I felt like she was doing a, from my perspective, a very fair job of making sure that the defense was heard, that the prosecution was heard, um, and that we as the jury were getting the information that would help us understand the facts and render a verdict. Seth Cousins, I appreciate your perspective. So I just tweeted out a picture underneath my tweet of Seth Cousins. Seth Cousins looks very, very different, um, you know, to what my friends remember him like, you know, he's known in the coding community. So it makes it really weird. Hairline's different, nose structure's different. In when he's speaking, it almost looks like he has a prosthetic that he can't seem to position. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, looks pretty odd to me. Um, you know, it's um, it's not a very long period of time between pictures, so I'm finding it. Maybe it's the lighting in CNN. You know, they could change the way you look, right? Maybe the lighting changes the way you look in like four years I don't know I mean maybe right or is it just me uh so you know if you're on Twitter please take a look is it just me or 
am I pointing to something that makes absolute sense? Now, as we have them advocating and, you know, doing damage control for Judge Jackson and a broken judicial system, I want you guys to understand that the role of the media today is not to provide you the news, but is to mitigate circumstances for the deep state. This is how it is. And, you know, what better person than to speak, uh, speaking of swampy swamps, um, is uh, Judge Napolitano to talk about the Roger Stone case and how he says only a a pardon can fairly undo this mess. But listen to what he says in the process. ...to be sentenced later today in D.C. after the federal judge overseeing his case refused demands to delay the trial. The show must go on, she says. Stone supporters calling out anti-Trump social media posts from a jury foreperson as potential bias in this case as his attorneys push for a new trial. Might be too late here to react. Fox News senior judicial analyst and host of the Liberty Files, the same guy uh, on Fox Nation, Judge Andrew Politano. Judge, uh, what's going to happen today? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't... What should happen. What should happen is the judge should interrogate this uh, four person about her biases against the president and against Donald Trump. The judge should interrogate the departed prosecutors about what they knew about this four person and when they knew it and why they quit and then determine whether or not the integrity of Stone's trial was adversely affected by this juror. It seems inconceivable that it was not. The Supreme Court has said you're entitled to 12 jurors who are indifferent as to the outcome. This woman appears to have known the outcome in her own mind before the trial started. Why do I say that? Because of the things she said about the president and about Roger Stone and her tweets. For the judge to overlook that and sentence him anyway and push that off is almost unforgivable. Because she should listen to the evidence first and then decide whether or not to sentence him. Absolutely. Now, I don't know what the president is going to do, but this is, this is absolutely... Wait, are you suggesting he might pardon him? I'm suggesting he might pardon Roger Stone today because the minute he signs that pardon, this judge is divested of jurisdiction in the case and Stone walks out of the courtroom. The conviction is not final until she sentences him and signs the sentencing can papers. Can Of course he can appeal the, uh, of course he can appeal the she, conviction. What, if she how, what do you think she'll give him if she sentences him? I don't know what she's going to do. She, she has manifested an antipathy towards him. Why do I say that? She has silenced him from speaking out. It's one thing to silence the defendant during the trial. You don't want the defendant going out in front of the courtroom and speaking to the jury through the media. I, I don't, didn't like to do that when I was a judge, but I understand sometimes you have to. But to, I'm starting to get choked up like Jillian. But to get to gag him after he's convicted, right. he earns his living by public speaking, and she won't let him speak publicly. Do you remember this phrase? Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. That's the reason I don't well, trust this judge, and I don't think the president judge, does either. Judge, two things. Wouldn't the president be smarter to see the sentence before he pardons? Because it could just be probation. It could. Even though you, because it's a recommendation. Number two is, isn't it the defense's problem? They're the ones who didn't vet her social media, so they missed it. Yes, you're right. Both sides missed it. However, she is a lawyer. She should have the revealed... Four the four person. is herself a lawyer. She knows 
how even an honest, accurate answer can sometimes be misleading if you don't explain it. Does this make Bill Barr's job harder at justice? Yes, it does make Bill Barr's job harder uh, at justice. Look, the Justice Department is opposing the Justice Department, which works for President Trump, who said the trial was unfair, right. is opposing Stone's motion for a new trial. And their opposition was filed under seal, meaning we can't even read it. What was in that opposition that the public and right. the media is not allowed to see it? And the U.S. attorney for D.C. said he felt strong-armed by the four prosecutors, and that's why he caved and got and us They threatened the to quit, and then they quit are. anyway. Right. That's the reason I'm saying only a pardon can fairly undo this mess. This is not about... Okay, you want to know what undoes this mess? You don't try these cases in Washington, D.C., period. You take them to the remote of West, you know, I didn't even know that place existed in America, and you can get yourself the most untainted jury pool. Well, not really, but, you know, at least they're not connected to prosecutors, aren't former, you know, politicians, you know, don't work for the intelligence community and, you know, don't put fake people on TV pretending to be someone they're not. You would have real people. But, you know, justice, right? We need to fix that. You can't have it in a tainted city. And D.C. is not the city where you try out cases like this. Period. See you all after this break. All right, welcome back everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So we were talking about how this tainted pool is happening, something that I've been talking about for a while, that our judicial system is literally sick. It is corrupt to the bone. Corrupt down not just to the judges, but jury selection. I mean, could you imagine understanding that, you know, it's not just the judges, but it could be that jury selection is biased too, or that jury selection is tainted and orchestrated in a way to ensure that whoever, you know, would benefit or wants or demands a certain outcome gets it. This is concerning, considering that we have a lot of grand jury trials underway right now that could be hung and stymied by selective, you know, by selecting and cherry picking the jurors they want. Uh, that's a that's a big, big deal. And um, it's extremely concerning to all of us. And like the president said, not just in the federal courts or what we're seeing now where our judicial system is weaponized, but across the nation. From civil to petty criminal to drug addicts to prostitutes, we're seeing it all the time. You know, Roger Stone got more time than a pedophile does. I mean, how does that make you feel? Makes you feel like justice is a little bit not doing the right thing. And this is where we're at. 
this is where we've come full circle and now we have a restart and the restart is Russia, Russia, Russia. And Judge Janine this morning was amazing. I loved her. New haircut. Mm, I'm not feeling the bangs, Judge Janine. But she was actually quite great. Listen to her commentary on how the re-election will be blamed on Russia again. Roger Stone, you know, the career prosecutor suggested he get seven to nine years and now it looks like it's closer to three. Well, the seven to nine years was absurd. I think anyone who understands the criminal justice system and, or even the federal guidelines understands that that was a political vendetta and a sentence that was intended to reflect that. You know, the three years, the three to four years is more consistent with the guidelines. It's a guy who has never committed a crime before. And, you know, the, the, the crimes that he committed, three to four years is consistent with punishment, of the, you know, the, the, so, compared to other defendants. Wh- so why did they get so much criticism, though, because as you mentioned, this is more in line with what the amended sentencing recommendation from the DOJ, yet DOJ, yet everyone lost their minds at them amending the sentencing. So why? Well, well, look, what happened was that you had four prosecutors who were very much inclined to seek whatever they could based upon their hatred of Donald Trump and anyone connected to him. And when the head of the uh, Department of Justice comes out and says, well, this isn't consistent with the guidelines, they then want to withdraw from the case. I mean, you work for the attorney general and he doesn't work for you. So, you know, it became a political showdown and in the end at the end of the day it was the judge who pretty much confirmed what the attorney general and the president said herself when she said look it's it's three-year sentence that's the end of it Mm -hmm. and so now what i don't understand though is i don't understand why the judge went forward with sentencing the truth is that once there is an issue deciding about uh, the juror once there's an issue of juror bias that goes to the validity of the conviction itself you have to decide whether or not this conviction should stand. And if you have a four-person of the jury right. who has a bias against the defendant and everything that this defendant stands for and has made that known publicly and then outs herself, what's curious is that she comes out and says, I stand by the prosecutors and what they were doing. Yeah, what why were you to stand by the prosecutors? Your job is to well, judge, decide the to facts, what, to not the, the judge, sentence. Listen to what the judge uh, Amy Berman Jackson said. Uh, Stone took it upon himself to lie, to impede, to obstruct before the investigation was complete in an endeavor to influence the result. The truth still exists. The truth still matters. So she didn't really care about uh, what the jury said. She had an opinion about this guy right away. Well, right. And, and her sentence is consistent with right. the facts and what she said. Does it make it harder the for the jury president doesn't, to pardon? The jury doesn't decide what the sentence should be. Stay As a judge, I would say, your concern is not the sentence. You tell me whether he did it and I'll decide what the sentence should be. So when that four person comes out and objects to the, the the fact that these prosecutors are taken off the case, who are you to do that? And then the other issue, and I'll answer your question in a second, is the judge has already prejudged this uh, by saying, look, this jury acted with the utmost integrity. Yeah. Judge Amy Berman Jackson, how do you know that? Why would you say that? You haven't had a hearing yet is on whether... Biased? 
biased. or not. I don't know if she's biased, but she ought to recuse herself. Having said yeah. that, she has prejudged the very issue that she must decide. And that is, was this juror, how did this juror get on the case? How did this juror, did this juror it, lie and not up? answer the questionnaire? Doesn't it come up during when voir dire. interviewing? Absolutely. During the voir dire, can you be fair and impartial? Right. Is there anything in your background that lends anyone to believe that you couldn't be? There's a questionnaire that's handed out to yeah. all the potential jurors. And any of that stuff would have come out. The juror was not completely open. And so for the judge to come out and say this, the jury acted with integrity under difficult circumstances, hogwash. So this the, wasn't difficult. The attorney, general, the attorney general said, I recommend three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, and she, he gets three and a half years. Does it make it harder for the president to pardon Roger Stone if his attorney general uh, recommendations were adhered to by the judge. No, because that is the sentence for this crime. That is the pretty much recognized sentence within the standard of the federal guidelines. That is consistent. When, when the, if and when the president, and then he says, I'll let it all play out, if he decides he wants to pardon or commute the sentence, that's a totally different issue. One has nothing to do with the other. Well, and staying on, uh, you know, Russia. So the New York Times recently uh, came out with this article. Here's the headline. It says House is warned that Russia is meddling to re-elect Trump once again. <laughs> we're write a new book, Judge. Right? <laughs> so I like Robert Mueller. <laughs> I mean, you know, Judge, are we going to see this once again if President Trump wins in 2020 somehow? Okay, so we need to stop one second there. So I'm I'm going to play the rest of it. But I want us to stop right there. So we were talking about the judge. We were talking about the juror and what the options are. So Stone has two options. We wait for her to rule on um, his request for a new trial. And she has to accept or deny it. And if she doesn't accept it, considering that two of the jurors so far that have gone on TV have thrown support for each other, like we're a team, yeah, whatever, and one of them works for the intelligence community and the other one, you know, was a politician, hung out with Donna Brazil, super Clintonite and everything, then she's got a problem. Now, what she should recommend to cover her tush is that this case needs to go outside of the state and, you know, under seal. We need to, you know, and how do you get an untainted jury pool? Like, what do you do? Do you go somewhere like, I don't know, in Los Angeles where your jurors need interpreters? Like, what do you do? How do you fix the mess you have done? So that's the question. Now, let's pretend she's bold enough because they are bold enough. SCOTUS gate is coming. And the fact that the federal judges meeting was postponed again speaks volumes. But SCOTUS gate is coming. So they might be really, really bold because, you know, when you're when you've got nothing to lose because you've lost everything we got you in a trap. Uh, what do you do? You do anything to stay alive. So let's pretend double down. Nope. Sentencing stands. The first thing Roger Stone would do would be appeal it. And hopefully she lets him stay out of jail while he's appealing it. But she might not. That's number one. Uh, number two is that she gets removed immediately. So, <laughs> so those are the options. But the removal is going to come after the pardon, right? Because President Trump can pardon him the minute he walks under that threshold. Now, as you're going to see, the recycling of the Russia-Russia narrative is going to come back into the forefront. 
We're seeing them scathing on the appointment of Rick. And Rick is obviously versed uh, in intelligence, but he's a trusted individual to coordinate documentation. Uh, I think Clapper was a great example of someone who's a tool, has no idea how intelligence is run, and was just there for show. He was like a plant you put in an office. It's just to pretty it up, make the space look like it's occupied, and it's just sitting there, right, to look pretty. Not saying that he looks pretty or anything. But I'm not saying that Rick is incapable either. But what I'm saying is to be appointed in this position, you really don't need um, any special skills. Uh, You have to be great at multitasking and negotiating and you're the point guy basically. Now, having said that, I think Rick would be actually capable of conducting the department with the right people around him and he's already done so by bringing cash and others. But now the president is going to nominate someone completely solid. Now, I said gaslighting, of course. Oh, it's going to be Flint. It's not because I'm telling you that Flynn is going to be coming into the picture right after the elections, right after we secure our next, our next presidency uh, with Donald Trump. That is where we're going to see Flynn come back into the picture. And that is what we're going to see. I've said the Trump Flynn 2020 and I, and I mean it, and it's just going to have to happen in 2021. That's all. Um, even though it says Trump Flynn 2020, I'm just saying, um, so we're going to see, uh, him nominate a few people. Doug Collins is being floated around, but as you guys know, I like my dudes and there's another two people today. We're going to feature one. And then the second feature was, which is, which is actually a female I'm going to have for my subscribers, but because, and just so you know, I was actually going to do the female today, but my uh, subscribers were going to have the male, but I decided to do the male because a listener, so awesome, and I'm kind of curious, since I don't know everyone in my IRC groups, I'm like, yo, were you part of that conversation yesterday, which is pretty awesome. Not like he's going to tell me because our anonymity is what's important, but he mentioned the male's name, so I thought we could talk about him and talk about how we need to tap into the right people for this time. People that have been sitting on the sidelines, either contracting, ongoing, left and went to Toys R Us, left and went into, you know, things they like. And I've never hidden it from anyone. I am what you would call a self-proclaimed mathematician. I never got a degree in mathematics, but I've... um I do have formal education in physics, uh, biophysics, astrophysics, um, biomechanical physics. Um, So I'm pretty well versed in math because physicists are actually mathematicians. And I'm a linguist. And that combined provides something called crypto mathematicians where we create algorithms and um, decode things, find patterns and kind of like the stuff that I toy with um, in, and, and I wouldn't say toy with and I don't I can't say that I know every aspect of it because the math is so intricate. But the predictive timelines and um, these uh, algorithms that um, are utilized for these solid predictive timelines are in fact um, crypto mathematics. So I want to thank the listener and I will mention their name unless they DM me and say it's fine. You can talk about it. Um, I want to talk about a guy, a guy who is a nerd And there's not many people that are um, 
mathematicians or proclaimed mathematicians within the intelligence community in general. Uh, back then they used to call it as such, but, um, not many. Now there was, um, there's a guy who I actually looked up to in regards to, uh, one form of, um, I would say an algorithm that he kind of created, uh, which would provide, um, predictive analyses real time. Kind of like what I do for you, only my math is a little bit different and a little bit more arcane. But this guy was incredible. He had led the way in regards to code cracking and um, penetrating very intricate firewalls and... Um, uh, you know, crypto walled systems. Uh, he actually had successfully um, hacked the Soviet system. And so he um, worked for a specific, um, I would say, agency of the NSA, if you want to call it the NSA. I mean, there's really no such... Um, no such agency, but um, uh, the, it's there's a uh, there's a specific division that works in signals intelligence, um, signals intelligence automation research, which we call SARC, right? And um, SARC is like a division that serves for the NSA and it's changed its name over the years in order to obfuscate people that work there. And it's usually people that are in universities, but you don't know they work there. You know, it's kind of like that. So he, this guy who um, would indeed be um, someone that... Um, would be a good fit is uh, one of these people. He's a crypto mathematician. And um, he uh, has won awards publicly, obviously. Um, he has um, stepped up in regards to making statements. Um, he also... Um, was the one that whistle blew in regards to Trailblazer, you know, where it was like um, mass collection data that they did. Right. So he, um, he's done all this research, okay? He knows exactly how people hack and he understands the term that I state, which is called reality hacking. Aside from hacking what you seem to understand is technology. It's hacking literal reality on multiple planes. He does understand it. Now, one thing that needs to, before, like we, we roll right into him. He was one of the people, and there were a few of them, that stood up and stated that the assessment that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election, uh, 2016 presidential election, and that the DNC emails were hacked, um, 
was false and it was complete BS. Um, he even made the statement that uh, it was physically done. There was an insider. And so um, we do have him and I'll play the videos after the break making those statements on Fox. Um, and obviously, well, I don't know if I can, I'll look for it. I know that I archived it, but I'll look for it because ever since suing Hannity, uh, you know, the, on the Seth Rich thing, you know, th- these have been pulled too. So, um, uh, the Nunes memo, he's, um, rumored to have participated in that. And I want to say that, um, that addition into it has only been done lately to kind of tag it in. And this is done preemptively, of course, uh, because, you know, he's a whistleblower that went against the status quo. You know, it's really hard to get your um, security clearance revoked. His was revoked and they ruined his life. His income done. They raided his house, his friend's house. It was horrific what he went through. You know, now they've gotten more savvy. They don't just revoke your, uh, you know, your security clearance to let you keep it, right? Because they don't want to look like they're retaliating against you business-wise. Instead, they crush you with bullshit litigation. That's basically how it goes. They weaponize the judicial system that is completely stacked up against you, Coupled with the media, completely stacked up against you in hopes that you will crumble and destroy yourself in the process economically. And, you know, in the end, maybe, you know, get a suicide request from Hillary Clinton, per se. I'm not saying like that. But this is where they push you to that brink so you can jump over that, you know, hurdle, that last hurdle of hope. So this guy is one of the, um, when we were debating it, when I brought him up, okay, I'm just going to say, when I brought him up last night, I got a lot of flack. Like, where did you find this one? No way, totally tainted this. And I was like, that's it. We don't care. If someone has been tainted and abused by the system, we really don't care. That's exactly who we want. Someone that has been through war and someone that has the battle scars to show it and that hasn't moved and someone that is a genius like him because he was behind, you know, the penetration of the Soviet systems, okay? And he was behind getting them to think in that sense. You know, he was, he was the one that did it. He's a genius. He knows how to break codes. He's great at patterns. And, um, you know, he worked in a division, listen, that you probably um, didn't even know existed in the 60s. Okay? And he worked during the time of JFK. And that's called the United States Army Security Agency. Not a lot of people know uh, that this, you know, agency existed between 1945 and 1976. And it was in parallel to replacing OSS, which was quashed before the CIA came up. And so after 76, it was incorporated into the Army Signals Intelligence Service. So basically, they were unmasked. (laughs) That's basically what happened. And then the director of the NSA would look over them. 
I, I think they're um I think they're still based in Fort Meade. I want to say like some are in Fort Gordon, but I want to say Fort Meade. And so um, their headquarters obviously are in Virginia, uh, in Arlington. And, you know, it signals intelligence, which now I just wanted to mention the people that work for that area are now being taken up by Space Force. (laughs) Funny how that Space Force is just picking up everything. Everything intelligence because it's finally the time for transparency. Now, this genius I love only because of his methods and watching old, uh, um, oh, can I say that? (laughs) I'm trying to think. Let's see. Um, Watching archives or visualizing. Oh, gosh, darn, I can't say that. It's not visualizing and it's not watching. Okay, so going over, there we go, information uh, uh, that has been archived in regards to how he worked and worked and works in code breaking uh, is pretty fascinating. When you want steganography, like that's like the king of it, you know, Uh, because he'd be able to parse out whichever um, (laughs) and create it and target it for one person in a million. Like that's how good he is. So this is someone uh, that may be coming up very soon. And I know all of you that are listening are like, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. To have the director of the national intelligence community, um, national intelligence, which means the whole community, right, under it, the 16 agencies, to be a genius crypto mathematician that had whistleblowed and got, got flack for it and they destroyed his life for it because he did, you know, over 20 years ago. And, you know, was a part of the original, let's save OSS because the CIA's might be rotten agency, um, the ASA, and working for divisions that you don't really know about and supporting facts rather than fiction gets you really excited, doesn't it? Because now is the time where you pull the right team. And yesterday we heard during the rally where the president was saying, well, you know, we had the wrong people. Now we're bringing good people and we're doing this and getting all these people in. And then one person shouted out, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. And the president was like, you're right. And points to him because that is exactly what he's been doing up till now. But here is where you start to bring your rooks and your knights you know, and the pawns, which are your enemies can stay right in front of you, but they're the first ones that are going to go over the minute everything happens. Now, uh, it's important that people need to understand that he is not pro Kremlin. He is not pro Russia. He actually exposed Russia for, uh, for their vulnerabilities in their systems. And also I would like to say he was almost like the father of, uh, code cracking and inspired a lot of people. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Julian Assange, um, had mentioned him, before, especially when he was younger and he hacked the system at 16 and where they had questioned him and said, you know, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? And he was like, because it's the ultimate thrill to know that you can break something. Uh, You can break into something that is considered a fortress or something like that. 
but he did mention this guy's name. And we're going to be talking about Bill, and hopefully I can find um, that archive recording, which I'm looking for since I'm flipping my show, because I, I, I'm listener-driven. What you guys want to listen to, I'll talk about. And since someone mentioned it, I'm like, okay, either you are in my group or you just know exactly what's up. So we're going to learn about this crypto mathematician. We're going to learn about who he is. And then we're going to look into what is coming this weekend and how this ties into Assange coming to the U.S. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So um, as I said, I was planning to put the female that would have been on the short list. Um, But I'm going to talk about my hero, one of my heroes. And there's very few people that I cry over when things happen to them. General Flynn was one of them when he was resigned or retired. And... um, the takedown of Bill Binney was um, one of the biggest heartaches for us nerds. Um, he uh, is exactly the type of person or persona or cookie cutter, if you could, person, right, that you want to be part of your intelligence community. This is the type of person that every single person entering into intelligence should aspire to be, which is objective and bound by the Constitution of the United States of America. And they have to be super smart and savvy, right? So um, this man worked on a program and just like many, and... um, he was, he still is a genius. And um, he was one of the most vocal people, aside from the NSL later letters that Mueller would be handing out like candy. Um, we all know that the, that the NSA got some immense powers, right? They started, um, you know, surveilling, American citizens without warrants. Your phone, my phone, they're all tapped. And it was a program called Stellar Wind. Not a lot of people talk about it. um, And not a lot of people know just how wide it is. But remember the sink example that I've been giving you, how the NSA takes all your communication, just puts it into this big sink. And then after 72 hours, they're supposed to pull the plug. Well, imagine that sink being filtered with a bunch of hot words. They're listening. You know, have you ever tried to say, you know, (laughs) words and then your phone suddenly goes bing, bing, or it starts to get hot? Uh, This is stellar wind. And this is how it filters. So uh, it's a program. And it was actually called the program. 
kind of like things that I want to talk about have special names, but this one was called Stellar Wind. And um, there was one person who stood up for the people of the United States who explained just how wrong it is. And that person was maimed for that. A genius, a humble genius, a humble genius that lost everything, everything. And, um, you know, I want you guys to just listen to him for a bit. Let's just listen. Because you need to just hear him out. I was breaking, uh, breaking different codes and, uh, and data systems and uh, doing data analysis against uh, the Soviet Union. After 9-11, they took one of the programs I would, had done, or the back end part of it, and started to use it to spy on everybody in this country. So and that, that was a program they created called Stellar Wind. That was the separate and compartmented from the regular activity that was ongoing because it was doing domestic spying. All the equipment was coming in, I knew something was happening, but then when my, the contractors I had hired came and told me what, what they were doing, it was clear where all the hardware was going and what they were using it to do. It was simply a different input. Instead of being foreign, it was domestic input. Somebody told me that they can listen to what we're saying by my having this even if it's turned off. Yes. Here's the, here's the real grand design. Every domain, think of a domain as an activity, uh, a specific type of activity, phone calls or banking is another domain. So if you think of graphing each domain, and then each graph then turning it in the third dimension, the, the trick now is to map through all the domains in that third dimension, pulling together all the attributes that any individual has in every domain, so that now I can pull your entire life together from all those domains and map it out and show your entire life over wanted to stop it one second i just want you guys to know that this guy worked in the capacity of intelligence for over 32 years worked within the asa during jfk's time has been awarded a very high award in a public facing because there's so many people that have received awards that they can't even you know showcase you're not allowed um this guy said what I've been trying to tell my listeners, which is your artificial intelligence profile, right? Which is exactly what the NSA has been creating, can store for each individual communications, searches, 
conversations, voice fluctuations, medical records, anything you can imagine. And your AI profile, your profile in the program, your citizen log, right, is a better and more honest picture of you than anything else on the planet. And so they already have assessed you. And here's how they assess you. Not by um, uh, your achievements or your wealth, but by your intelligence. And the more smarter you are, the more, mm, I would say, important your profile is in order to either replicate or to be able to assess how they can eradicate uh, or disable you. Uh, I'm just going to say it like that because that sounds way nicer than the dystopia I'm going to be <laughs> giving you a peek into. Why should I be? I don't, because if what you're saying if it was possible, it would be revolutionary and people would have a vested interest in preventing that from happening. I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm not sure how many of you got a chance to hear uh, Keith Alexander yesterday, the head of the NSA, uh, talk about the NSA's activities. Bill, how do you reconcile, is there some way to reconcile General Alexander's statement that the NSA isn't keeping track of every American? Okay, so I just want you to know, uh, this is um, a conference, and the person asking the question is actually from the ACLU, ACLU, Jamil Jafar. I'm not joking. Uh, Jamil Jaffer, and I said Jafar. Since of a facility like the one in Utah. NSA's charter, and it was a legitimate one, was to do foreign intelligence, and I was with that all the way, and I did the best I could in that job. Unfortunately, they took those programs that I built and turned them on you, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. I didn't intend that, but they did that. What you're just so just so you understand, it's kind of like the guy who created the A-bomb. He created the A-bomb for defense um, and for an explosion of energy. And that was actually used as a weapon to take out humanity. And just like him, creations are created uh, for good or to protect or for defense. And then they're weaponized. Kind of like the coronavirus. You'll notice I tweeted out this morning um, as a response to a tweet that the coronavirus is actually used in vaccines and it is effective in transference of vaccinations. Just saying. And we all know who's behind that. It's actually a company of the crown. So here we are where they take something good and weaponize it. Kind of like the woman in Australia that created Gardasil. She didn't create Gardasil so that way you, you can inoculate yourself against a virus, which is impossible. Impossible. She created it in order to try to help reduce infertility in like sheep and goats. So... What happened? The U.S. bought the patent and found a loop where they can actually genetically target people in order to render them infertile. So undesirable genetic codes in certain humans are now sterile. And this is why it has been banned in other nations uh, across the planet because that vaccine is, tar is targets a specific genetic code. 
kind of like the coronavirus for those that have actually taken the vaccine of the coronavirus and how it activates. But I'm just trying to demonstrate to you that innovation that we have done to make life easier, to protect us, sometimes is weaponized against us. And Bill used his, his amazing mind, his amazing talent, working for what he believed was the greater good. And there are so many of us out there, and I am one of them too, that were working, believing that they were doing good, believing that they were working for the right team and kept it and did it until the point when they realized, wait a minute, this is not what I thought. And reality kind of pops open and you're just like, I can see now. And this is what happened to him. And this is one thing that I love about him is anytime, you know, he speaks with someone, it's, I'm really sorry I did this. I wouldn't have done it if I knew that it was going to be weaponized. Describing really is hard to reconcile with the laws as the laws are generally understood by the lawyers who work with them. Uh, most people are familiar with the Webster's definition of intercept. UCID 18 has a different definition, and that's uh, an intercept doesn't take place until it's actually listened to, until somebody puts on, on some earphones or actually reads some text on a screen. So you can pull in all the communications you want. The acquisition isn't the search. Uh, the querying later on is the search. They can then keep it in their database and target after the fact by going back and conducting data mining searches afterward, in other words, to get the information that they couldn't target from the outset. And there is another real problem. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, the software will, once it takes in data, it will build profiles on everybody in that data. You mean like the FBI facial recognition program that is based off of a facial recognition recognition program that Israeli scientists have created to be able to identify terrorists based on their facial features. Now, this FBI database was the reason that my personal uh, social media account was actually taken offline because I was publishing and putting out, out into the ether documentation, how there are memorandums of understanding between this division of the FBI and the attorney generals of your state. And they lie about it, obfuscate about it, sign it without telling the citizens that every single piece of data about you is being put into a profile. And I've told you this, and I wrote about it bigly with my name, right? It's called a citizen log, and I reiterate it. And Bill is the one that knows it. <laughs> Maybe we could just dump a DM. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. Let's continue. The purpose is to monitor, be able to monitor what people are doing. Um, you, you build social networks for everybody. Uh, that then turns into the graph, and then you index all that data to that graph, which means you can pull out a community. That, that gives the, you the outline of the life of everybody in the community. And if you carry it over time from 2001 up, you have that 10 years worth of their life that you could lay out in a timeline. That involves anybody in the country even senators and House of Representatives, all of them. The dangers here are that we fall into something like a totalitarian state like East Germany. Now, just so you know, this uh, graph-like, this is exactly the type of mathematics used to predict things. 
that can tell you the alternate realities without collapsing into one another and without having to literally travel to. Okay, this is how they can predict who you are and where you're going to go, which makes it really odd. And, and, and I think it's it's not even cumbersome anymore. It's 2020 now. This is technology we had in the 90s. I'm just making it clear. And the data collection started in 2001. Well, it wasn't initiated in 2001. Let's get this back. Another name that a lot of people don't hear, David Cuthbertson. He's the one from the FBI again, but obviously intelligence, putting out all of the information, requesting companies to provide voluntarily or for a payment biometric information in regards to their employees voluntarily that they provide biometric information, employment information, and the Affordable Care Act sequestered all of that. I know because I worked on it. It sequesters every single aspect of your life. This is why it is the most unconstitutional thing ever passed in the history of the United States. Hence why SCOTUSgate is very important. Now, just so you know, in July of 2007, and I didn't find out about this until um, January uh, 2008, like the extent of it, um, Bill Minnie's house and other people that worked with him uh, in the NSA, Loomis was one of them, the Greek guy, um, they were raided by the FBI, the FBI raided the house of NSA employees. I'm going to say that again, just so that, you know, it's clear. Because I've been talking about the FBI. Now, he had been interviewed by Mueller's team. And he was cleared. He was completely cleared. After he was cleared, after his interviews were done, after, we're talking after, Dozens of people came to his house just like they raided Roger Stone's house. And guess what? When they came and they were pointing guns, guess where Bill Binney was? He was naked in the shower and they had guns up against his face. Hoping that they could have the opportunity to pull the trigger. They took his business records. They took everything you could imagine, instantly revoked his clearance, and they totally destroyed him. Loomis and I think it was Weeb that was rated. I know it's Loomis. Um, they were also um, rated. <laughs> and there was a House Intel Committee staffer as well. Um, she was also raided. And what's really weird is that after they had raided the house, um, let's just leave it at that. I'm just going to stick to the, to the fact that they treated him the way they treated Roger Stone with immense force that was unnecessary. He was... Just a couple months before they raided him, he was cleared by the FBI of no wrongdoing. But then Mueller gave the order, because the FBI director at the time was Mueller, 
to raid him in the way that Roger Stone was raided. So when I did my show on Roger Stone being raided the way he was, I said, this is how Mueller responds. This is all Mueller. And this was a repeat. The guy was in a shower naked and they pointed a gun in his face. He wasn't armed. He was just in his house taking a shower. And they came out from everywhere, every single corner, and raided his house. Uh, well, they came in guns drawn, you know, in my house. They didn't do that to the others, but they did to me. I guess, I don't know, they thought I was probably the most dangerous of all, so I don't know. I don't know what was in their minds, okay. So, but they did that, and they, and they came in and pointed a gun at me when I, I was getting out of the shower at the time, so they pointed a gun right at my old head, you know, said, hey. So... <laughs> I wasn't too upset. I just said, uh, "Yeah, suppose I can get a, I could get dressed here." <laughs> you know, trying to. They weren't intimidating me anyway. So, tell me something that will uh, intimidate, in, implicate somebody in a crime. That's what they asked me. So I told them what the crime was that I knew about, and that was that uh, uh, George Bush, Dick Cheney, Tenet, and Hayden conspired to subvert the Constitution, the constitutional process, and any number of laws. And here's how they did it. And I explained stellar wind on my back porch all the FBI agents who weren't cleared. So they had a problem. Uh, I created a problem for them because they had a bunch of people now who weren't cleared for a very highly classified, only because it was domestic spying, by the way, was the reason it was highly classified. So did you see what he did right there? That's, that's it. it. Like, there's nothing you can tell me that can intimidate me, right? And that's the response that is had by a person that's solid on what he did. And what he did was reveal domestic surveillance this is why it's classified at the highest levels domestic surveillance understand that you are being surveilled oh i got nothing to hide nobody cares if you have nothing to hide how do you feel that the government can predict where your life is going to be in 10 years how do you feel that the job that you will get in five years depends on that prediction because when they pay for that background check they get that score how does that make you feel how do they know how your life is going to be? Because let me tell you something. I could predict anything. I will tell you at this moment in time, I would have never predicted where I'm sitting, what I'm doing, and the situation of my life. There would be no way ever that I would have even fathomed that it happened. But I can guarantee you, some guy out there knew every single detail and knew exactly where it was going. Maybe it was ushered quicker to make it easier for me maybe I don't know but there are other people that are in control because there is such a thing as reality hacking you don't seem to understand it I can hack your reality and I can usher you into whatever pen I want as long as I know what my projections about you are are you getting what I'm telling you this is a perversion, not only of our constitution and what we stand for, but on humanity itself. This is how you stay mesmerized. And you know what? Those that actually know all about this reality hack, that know all about these programs and put forward, that speak outside the box, are the highest on that list to have this to get this program used against them when weaponized oh boy 
And you know, and you know, math isn't always accurate, right? So there are some variables. Like I said, you can't really predict humans, even if you take them as individual nodes, no matter how much input you have, you can have 10 years, you can have 15 years. But if the input that you're getting is skewed because you know, your algorithm doesn't, doesn't do well with unexpected scenarios of other people impacting the, the person that you were focusing on. You get it wrong, but you try test shots, right? If you know, you know, like when you're in the carnival and the ducks are going by and you want to shoot, you kind of count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, shoot, got the duck. But what if they want to shoot the duck and they're like one misses because they can predict it. But instead of you going right, you go left. Oops totally made a mistake. Let's redirect. Let's reprocess. This is how they keep populations in check. They, you know, they wanted to highly classify the extreme impeachable crimes that they were committing. So just so you know, um, in 2004, do you guys remember how I told you Mueller and, um, Comey had gone to, it, well, it was like 2003, 2002, um, and four, where Mueller and Comey had gone to the bedside of Ashcroft. Do you remember how people were threatening to resign, how the White House had outed them, how they suddenly silenced them? Well, there were a lot of people that threatened that they were going to resign from the top positions within the Department of Justice when they found out about this program. It needs to be out in the open. We need to, as a democracy, we need to say, do we want our government doing this or not? And do we want our government to, to, to have this data or not? And if, if so, if we want them to have it, then what kind of controls? And they have to be a little bit more visible. They can't all be done in secret. You can't have secret interpretations of laws and, and run them in secret and not tell anybody. Or can't make up kill lists and not tell anybody what the criteria is for being a kill list. You know, kind of like the do not fly list. Do you know what the criteria is for that? Do you know what the do not buy a gun list? Do you know what the criteria is for that? You don't. This is exactly it. What if you're on a kill list? Shouldn't you at least know? Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I hope that was a great introduction for you guys to know who uh, one of my heroes, Bill, is and how incredible he is and how he was always an advocate for you without knowing he was an advocate for you. Uh, back in the day, Democracy Now! used to embrace him. Now he would be, you know, a Gestapo guy because that's the way it is. Uh, you have to know that this guy had actually chimed in and said that the election was not meddled with by the Russians and that it's false. He also said that the DNC was not hacked by Russia. And, um, you know, he had also met... Um, in October, was it October or September of 2017, he met with Pompeo, who was the director of the CIA, just so you know. And so uh, this is, you know, a really um, 
this is a really important man who I believe um, would be the best person to place as the head of the DNI um, because he would be able to do exactly what he's always wanted to do, and that is increase transparency. That law should not be created in the darkness because that's exactly the truth, that your democracy, your rights die in the darkness. So that's what I expect to happen. Now, I want to play a clip for you where he was, I think he, uh, he was on Tucker. I think this is the clip that I want to play for you. He was on Tucker where he was talking about how President Trump was most likely surveilled for a very long time. And, you know, wiretapping? Like I said, even Schiff's whistleblower is literally a wiretap. They're not going to tell you that they use the NSA sources and resources and used everything. Come on, you guys. Hmm. That's the thing. They will never tell you because they classify it to the highest because it's impeachable. Remember impeach 44? Well, that's going to come. Well, Benny worked at the NSA for more than 30 years. He was a famous and highly regarded employee there, but he resigned in 2001, saying the agency was building illegal mass surveillance networks. He says that President Trump almost certainly has been spied on by the government, was being spied on, and probably for a long time. Bill Benny joins us now. Bill, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, now, well, you, as, as me, I Tucker. just said in my intro, you spent 30 years there. You're not someone who's speculating, and you believe it's entirely possible that the president was, in fact, spied on? Yes, in fact, uh, they're taking in fundamentally the entire fiber network inside the United States and collecting all that data and storing it in, in a program for the, uh, they call it it's Stellar Wind is the name for their program. Uh, that's the domestic collection of data on U.S. citizens, U.S. citizens to other U.S. citizens, everything we're doing. Uh, phone calls, emails, and then financial transactions, uh, credit cards, things like that, yeah, all of it. So if you, didn't, if you found someone objectionable or dangerous, the temptation would be profound to locate information on that person and perhaps misuse it, would it not be? Yes, and for, for example, inside NSA, they had a program called, they called Love Int. That's where the analysts in NSA looked into that data to find out if their lovers were cheating on them. That, that's the extent of the data collection that NSA is doing. But I mean, I, I grew up believing that NSA was not allowed to collect data on Americans. It was supposed to be outwardly focused on our foreign enemies. And you're saying that that's been perverted for many years. Yes, since 2001. So what do you make of considering uh, what you just said is that the NSA has all the information. So presumably they could prove or disprove the claims about Russian tampering in this election. They could prove or disprove Trump's tweet about being spied upon. Why wouldn't they? That's, uh, well, that, that would get into the extent of which they've penetrated the network inside the United States. There's another program going on here that not too many people are talking about. They're not even addressing. I think you were trying to get at it uh, with your previous guest. Uh, inside NSA, there's a set of people who are, and we got this from another NSA whistleblower who w witnessed some of this. They're inside there, they're targeting and looking at all the members of the Supreme Court, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Congress, both House and Senate, as well as the White House. And all of this data is there at, inside NSA in a small group where they're looking at it. Uh, and the idea is to see what, what people have power over you are going to, what they think what they think you should be doing or what they're planning to do uh, to you, your budget or whatever, so you can try to counteract it before it actually happens.
I mean, that's just East German. And by the way, that's, that's got yes. to be illegal. Yeah. I do not believe that that is legal. The I, oversight committees... No, it isn't. No, right. It's a are supposed no. to be preventing that stuff. And I remember having a conversation with the former Republican chairman of the Oversight mm -hmm. Committee, Mike Rogers, and saying this is a big deal and getting an answer in effect, well, you know, terrorism. That doesn't sound like this well, has anything to do with terrorism. No, this bulk acquisition, by the way, is inhibiting their ability to detect terrorist threats in advance so they can't stop them. So people get killed as a result, which means, you know, they pick up the pieces and clean up the blood after the attack. That's what's been going on. I mean, they've consistently failed. When Alexander said he'd stop, they'd stop 54 uh, attacks, and he was challenged to produce the evidence to prove that, he failed on every count. So, but the NSA is not, this is my last question, but, and it's an obvious one, the NSA is not its own country. Is it, though? Is it, though? Because they're spying on everyone. And like he said, can we not get the evidence that... Barack Hussein Obama was working against the country or is it because the people in the NSA or those that are in top tier or those that have access to decoding the ones and zeros feel that they're compliant with it because they agree with it? That is the question that you need to ask yourself about how this works. You know, I give a lot of flack to the CIA because it is a gray area. And it is a spinoff of the OSS that was intended, again, foreign surveillance, foreign surveillance. But now we have social scores because these literally are social scores. Um, you know, I was joking around with a friend that called me and said, you know, uh, that was calling me and I was like, oh, I'm calling, but you know, our calls keep getting dropped. And then they called me back and said, you are not allowed to call this number. And I was like, what? And it's like, soon we're not going to be able to call certain phone numbers, get certain services, go with certain banks, get insurance, because you're not authorized because the program says that you're this type of person. This is how they are putting us into boxes. We're sitting here screaming about China, but what you guys don't seem to understand is we created communist China. We created them. Their social credit score was created by Americans. The implementation by Americans. Everything was done by Americans. And we did it by feeding off of their incessant cultural need for power and succession. We created communist China. We were supposedly helping the liberals, the, the nationalists, the Chinese nationalists. And in 45, we left them hanging. And when they finally got our aid in 40, like 46, 47, the guns didn't even have screws in them and they couldn't fight. And Mao came to power. There's always got to be a proving ground. And right now the proving ground is We've got Europe to see the economic facet of intertwining all these cultures and making them all vanilla, right? They all got to be one and the same. And the other one, which is installing these programs, giving you the power to control your citizens and make sure you keep them in check. Good little soldiers, good little workers, good little boys and girls. We fix it. And this is how you can harvest organs from criminals and kill them and do them and make pills with human powders and stuff, you know, here. You can do that there in communist China because everybody knows you're a communist and we're good. 
This is where you're implementing it. This is giving you power. Don't you want power? Take it. And all we do is collect the information, collect the data, and see how we can take the data from the EU, take the data from China, merge it together, and just spring it upon the American people. Once we have kneeled the country into submission, slowly, that way, it feels like a natural transition to want to have a file on you and be like, well, you know, I really do want to know who I'm talking to. So I really need like a thorough check. Well, here's their DNA panel. This is where their risk of getting disease is. Here's who they've talked to. Very low scores here. High ones there. Oh, they've done this. They filed this. They've done that. That's their education. That's what they eat. This is how much their weight has fluctuated. And this is what you want. Do you want to be statistics and numbers? That's not what the human experience is about. It's about changing in the, in the face of adversity. Your soul is not able to be depicted on ones and zeros. Like I've said, predicting the future is easy because you take the mass realities and plug them in to your variables, you know, plug them in as your variables into your equations. But when you take one person and you put them in there, you can't, you can't unless you have a lot of data. And that is exactly what they've been doing. They have been monitoring people for 20 years now. So for 20 years of you being plugged in, they know everything about you. This is why the Experian hack was important because now not only do they have your social media information, your text messages, your emails and whatnot, it's not like, you know, your credit's not going to give them stuff. See who you've been associated with, where you've lived, what you have, which could be wrong too because nobody monitors what people report to the credit reporting agencies. Uh, it could just be anyone, some reseller of some dentist. Well, that sounds pretty similar, so psh, stick it on there. Well, you know, at least one of the four pieces of information matches. I'm going to stick it on there. And suddenly you have a profile that hasn't been fine-tuned. From facial recognition to social media to private records to private conversations. And where are you at? Oh, this feeds into that program that CrowdStrike was working on with CIDL, right? Which is predictive elections, which means they would vote for you. They already know the outcome, so they know who they won't let vote or how they can target you with specific ads and marketing campaigns. Oh, you mean hack your reality to make you believe that this is correct. Oh, um, what does China call those things again? Gosh darn it, re-education camping. But this one at the palm of your hand. Speaking of CrowdStrike. So yesterday, Dimitri, who created CrowdStrike, remember this guy is a Soviet, Soviet, Russian, Ukrainian, kind of like Igor Pasternak, created CrowdStrike. He, that's his baby. Brought it to the U.S. He's both American and Ukrainian. And, you know, he is so great that the FBI doesn't even have to vet his company and they just take his word for it that the DNC was hacked. And not only that, Mueller, who, by the way, ambushed and destroyed the life of Bill Binney, went in and guess what he did? Guess what? Oh, he went and sorted it all out for them. He went in and said, Ooh, it was this, it was that. And the FBI just ate it all up. Of course they would. And Mueller would take his word for it because that's 
corrupt cops at the top. The cops at the bottom aren't the bad guys unless they have hard-ons, right? Have you ever seen police officers where they're just walking around and they love themselves so much and they're just like, God, just a, I don't care. I just want to give you a ticket. I want to slap this. I want to do this and that. You're like, come on, dude. You're here to serve the public. You're not here to do paperwork or hit numbers, right? You're here to serve the public. You're supposed to be going after the people that are disrupting order, not Stupid things like, why did you walk all crooked when you came out of the barn? Just saying. You see a lot of them. A lot of them. Spending time on stupid things like, hey boy, is that a joint in your mouth? Rather than the guy with like 5,000 pounds of meth in his, you know, truck. You know, priorities. Or, you know, the the, polit- the politician that was caught in, you know, during the Derby in 2005 in Kentucky diddling a little boy and still his wife runs for lieutenant governor. But, you know, I digress. These are the things that don't make sense because there's something called complacency. What do I get for letting you do it? Kind of like what we saw when people were saying, well, oh, you know, why did, you know, President Trump... Uh, pardon, uh, you know, the former governor of Illinois that was um, selling his um, job, uh, the the position of Senate of Obama's. Like, you know, why would anybody do that, right? Why would um, you pardon him? Why is he saying he did nothing wrong? You do remember that... Um, this guy, right? Rod Blagojevich, 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 Blagojevich. There we go. Um, he says that he did nothing wrong, and you have to wonder. Uh, what do you mean you did nothing wrong? Did you not do corruption? Or what exactly happened here? That's what you have to think. What is it that he's saying in regards to not having done something? This is confusing. Now, when I saw that he pardoned him, the first thing I saw is, oh my gosh, what is he going to tell us? Oh my gosh, what are we going to be getting out of this one? Because it is a, um, a very interesting pardon, and he did a lot more time than one would expect for whatever he was accused of with uh, pretty much nothing to have evidence on. Kind of like the way they threw away the key for Jerry Lee with no evidence that he gave information to China, but he's in jail. Wait, what? How does that work? It just does. You just have to accept it that it does. That's the thing, that people don't question things anymore. People don't ask questions. And that's because they have enough data to know that people are just that dumb and people are just that expecting. Now, I want you to listen to him on Fox when he talks about his pardon and where he talks about how he did nothing wrong. I want you to listen to this. This is important. Because it tells you where we're going. 
And Governor, it is, it is uh, I know, very sad or very happy for you to be home. Your family, I'm sure, is very happy to have you. Today, during that news conference, you called yourself a Trumpocrat. You are clearly very grateful for what the president has done for you over the past 36 hours. Uh, well, I absolutely am. My wife and I, my two daughters, we're all very grateful to President Trump. As I said earlier today, uh, he didn't have to do this. I was a Democratic governor, and mm -hmm. he's a Republican president, and what he did for me today uh, uh, doesn't help him at all politically. But President Trump is very different, and he's very different from many of his predecessors. This is a president who not only solves problems, but he actually is fighting to bring about the change that the American people have been hungering for for years. We were promised that change. This is a president that's actually doing it. The fact that he gets so much pushback is proof positive he's keeping his promises where perhaps others who promised change didn't do that. I know over the past decades, um, sir, that you have kind of distanced yourself from the Democratic Party, but I, I want to put up on the screen, this is from the Illinois Republican congressional delegation saying about the president's actions and your commutation, quoting here, Blagojevich is the face of public corruption in Illinois, and not once has he shown any remorse for his clear and documented record of egregious crimes that undermine the trust placed in him by voters. As our state continues to grapple with political corruption, we shouldn't let those who breach the public trust off the hook. Is there a point here, sir, that, that maybe you should have shown a little bit of remorse, some regret that you have not yet shown? Well, I agree with the sentiment expressed in that uh, statement by the Illinois Republicans, but they're, they're pointing that statement at the wrong place. It shouldn't be pointed at me. It ought to be pointed at those uncontrolled, unaccountable, lawless prosecutors who did this to me. I broke no laws. I crossed no lines. Uh, they used a standard to convict me that if it was applied to those congressmen and to every U.S. senator, uh, the same result would have happened to them what happened to me. Uh, I, I raised campaign contributions legally and lawfully. I never promised anything or threatened anyone in exchange for campaign contributions. The right to seek campaign contributions is not only necessary and routine in politics, it is also protected mm -hmm. by the uh, Constitution. It's considered by the Supreme Court a First Amendment right. And again, without a promise or a threat, there is no crime. There's no quid pro quo. There was none in my case. And uh, I appreciate what those congressmen are saying, but they ought to point that those statements in the direction of the prosecutors who did this to me, and many of whom are the same people who are doing this to President Trump. I think they would say, I think they would point to that statement you just made as kind of proof positive of the fact that, that you know, you don't have any regrets about this. You spent eight years in prison. You could have spent 14. And you look at some of the statements you made um, back in the day when you talked about this thing is bleeping golden and the court convicting you of trying to shake down the CEO of a children's hospital. And by the way, the children's hospital would not comment on your commutation. But, but is there not even a modicum of regret of the way you handled this? of the things that you did, of the things that people said you did over and over again in that courtroom? No, let me explain this. If the proper law was applied to my case, none of those things, none of the, the, the result that occurred in my, tri my two trials, they didn't convict me the first time around, they then changed the rules in the second trial and used fake law by moving lines to take honest conversations and make and, and tell a jury that they, these things were in violation of laws. They actually used the standard to convict me that the United States Supreme Court in the McCormick case said was not the law.
Okay, so what he's explaining to you, and I wanted you to listen to that, is how they take things out of context and say, well, this is a law broken. Well, how is that a law broken when this hasn't been satisfied and this hasn't? Well, because we said so. This is basically what happened. This is what happened, and this is probably because things were understood and some people wanted some more in into the club um, and a little bit more than they could chew. But speaking of a little bit more than they could chew, you know, everyone's freaking out that they can't find documentation or the CIA and the FBI won't give them information in regards to Anthony Eric Ciaramella. Well, here's the deal, guys. He could have had communication with all of them. Nobody cares. What are they concealing? That it was a wiretap. What are they concealing? That they are illegally surveilling every single one of us. He didn't need a whistleblower. He had everything he needed. He didn't need to know what Giuliani said. He heard it. Not hearing it anymore since the IGs are under tight scope. But this is what's going down. Because there are a lot of good guys out there, and boy, are we many, that are listening to what you're listening to. And when we figure out that you're listening, little red flags go up, just like in the hospital. You can't look up your friend. The red flag will go up. Not your patient. Red flag will go up. You know? And now we're getting red flags, so they're a little bit in the dark. Because this is how you weed them out. You find out all their back channels. And boy, when they find out that there are so many great back channels for the good guys, they're just like, what? Because they have no idea that pioneers, just like Bill, inspired so many little nerds that were so good at math and patterns to join and work uh, join the society, join workforces that, uh, you know, use their skills and mm, grow them. I'm, you know, just saying. So it's pretty incredible how we're seeing this whole thing come to a circle. The game is over. Now reality kicks in. This is where you see what is to come. This weekend, the discussions on TV from the very few that are given some information to say, because that's the thing. They can't even give them, you know, scoops or anything because, you know, then there's leaking and they're listening to everything. And that's what sucks. So it's reliant on alternative channels, on alternative methods of communication. I mean, I'm just saying, you remember, uh, there was one person on social media that spoke so meanly about, you know, things like the Chan board. Yet it was someone on the Chan board that spoofed themselves to get into, uh, you know, China to find out what's going on. Huh. Funny how some people have to eat their words when they realize the reality that they believe exists doesn't. And that they're that reality when you actually see what the real situation is not the perceived situation because you have your perceived situation which is what they tell you what you believe is going on but when the real situation the actual situation hits you you be like whoa that was a lot so these obfuscations this terror you see this speaking i mean ben rhodes hasn't been active in a while that crybaby's out in the open we even see Snake Paul Ryan coming out. You're going to see all of them come out. 
because this is the last breath they have because these are impeachable offenses, impeachable offenses across the scale of everything. And this is where it's coming down to. Pelosi, you nominated your queen, your, yourself, the queen with your staff. Suddenly she's wearing it, right? That's telling you I'm in charge. I'm the one in order. Order. I'm the boss, not President Trump. That's what she was saying. On that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous weekend. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. Uh, this weekend, my next episode on Subscribestar will be up. See you Monday. Monday.